story, and if you will, if you think back to when we talked about the story, um, I don't know if that was three years ago, four years ago, it's been quite a while. Uh, what we're going to be looking at is, is kind of the, the upper, um, we talked about the, um, um, the bigger story and also the smaller story, which is the bigger story is the ultimate uh, um, picture of, of, of what God is trying to, 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 to help us to hear. And then uh, the, the smaller story is that those individual situations. And that's really what we did is we went through those individual uh, storylines when we went through the story um, uh, several years ago. But anyway, um, we want to begin to tell the story. We want to be able to try to understand how God told that story in the first place. And so we're going to, for the next several weeks, we're going to be asking the question, you know, what is the story that God has been trying to tell us? We're going to try to see that throughout the time of Scripture. Of course, you can't get, get anywhere without starting at the beginning, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Um, I want you to invite you to turn there, if you would. Um, we're actually going to be looking at a lot of that this morning. And so, if you have your Bibles, uh, certainly we'll have it up on the screen, but... Uh, Really, I think you'll get a lot more out of today if you have your Bibles open. So if you have them and you're able to look at that and see some things, because um, I have something that I really, really, really think will be um, just really helpful for us in, in, in understanding this opening part. Uh, I will tell you this. Um, I actually originally had thought about or was, was planning on doing chapters 1 and 2 and I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually saving chapter 2 for next week. Um, and the plan isn't to start with Genesis 1 and then have, a, you know, all the way through the, the Bible. Uh, we're going we're gonna to skip ahead to where some of the uh, um, more significant, I think, parts of that storyline hit. Um, but Genesis chapter 1, if you want to turn there, the story as God told it is really quite simple. It really is. Um, it starts out in a garden. I think we all know that, right? God's story starts in the garden. The world is good. God has created man. We get all the way into chapter 3 before man falls apart. God goes into the process of setting in motion a redemptive plan, and man continues to rebel and to fall. What does redemption mean? Anybody? Somebody give me the definition of, of redemption. To redeem something is to, it, it, it certainly involves forgiveness. To redeem something is, if you, have a, if you have a coupon and you go to the store and you're going to redeem something, the in, to purchase back. Um, the, the whole idea of redemption, and this is something I think is very significant and to keep in mind as we go through Scripture is, the, the, high, the idea is of, of redemption is that I, I already owned it once and I'm just buying something that I already owned before, I'm getting it back. So redemption means to purchase back or to buy back. And so God goes into this process of setting in motion a redemptive plan, and man continues to rebel and to fall. That's part of it. Then God sends a son, his son. Man rejects him. God decides to initiate then a final covenant called the church. Some people respond to that. Some people don't. The church is set forth into the world to tell the story or to retell the story. Some people receive it. Some people don't. Oftentimes, men reject it, and ultimately, God returns, and we're back in a garden again. And that is the story. 
That's the story of all of Scripture. It's really the, uh, the bre- abbreviated cliff notes for what it, about what we're going to encounter or we're going to be looking at. And today we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1. And I, what I hope that we'll catch on to is that chapter 1 really sets up the story. It's the music. It's the poetry. It's Well, next week we're going to be looking at chapter 2 and Chapter 2, I think it, it helps us to really understand things from a little bit different perspective. It's, you know, it, it, if, if chapter 1 is the music and the poetry, chapter 2 helps us to, uh, to uh, or it sets up the characters and sets them in motion, giving us the plot of the story. So let me just say, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, this beginning portion of Scripture, it's not intended to be a science book. I think oftentimes we've looked at it like that. This was intended to be... A poem. So, in other words, we're not debating whether uh, you know design versus evolution. Uh, this is intended to be a poem. That's the intention, I think, of these first two chapters. It was, it was intended to set the stage for the rest of the story throughout all of Scripture, and it begins with an assumption. It's the assumption that all of all of Scripture starts with, and that is this: we all know this, that in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. No argument, no debate, no attempt to apologize, no explanation. Just this standing statement, in the beginning, God. Now, generations later, the Hebrew writer would write this to a group of of Christians. He would say, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what? was visible. In other words, the Hebrew writer understood this, that this is a faith statement. You choose whether or not you want to accept that opening line, in the beginning, God. Somebody once said that if you can believe Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, you can believe anything, right? If you accept Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God, then everything else in all of Scripture falls into place and has no room for debate. Because if you can accept the fact that that God has created this universe, that there is in fact a God, then everything else in Scripture makes sense. In the beginning, God. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 opens up this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Notice two words, formless and empty. And the poetry begins. Because day one, day two, day three, address the formlessness with which this earth came into being. Days four and five and six then address the other issue, and that is the emptiness, the lack of substance. And suddenly you begin to see both shape and substance come into being. Okay? Now I want to try something here today, and I need our kids to help me out with this a little bit. Even the big kids. All you big kids can help out. But I want this side here to try something like this. So I guess we can have, I guess the best way to do it is maybe clap. So I want you to give me a beat. No, we've got to do it together. This is very, very important. Everybody together. Ready? Here we go. All of our kids help out too. Ready? 
all together. Adults, adults follow me. Forget the kids. I need, I need it. Everybody watch Rachel. Now keep that up. Now this side, I want you to do this. Wow. You can kind of get to be, wow, that's just, wow. We got to work on that. I can see we're going to have to come back and we're going to have to really work on this rhythm thing that's going on. What I want you to catch on to, though, and this is really important, some of you have music backgrounds, uh, maybe a little bit, or you've at least sung in, you know, most of your life, and you understand. If you watch somebody who has some kind of music going on in their, in their lives, they've got a beat, right? You've got a syncopation. You've got a cadence. You've got something that uh, some of those, uh, some people, it's like you've got two left feet, right? This is not working together. We heard a little bit of that. I'm not going to say who it was. Um, <laughs> But there's a beat, and you get it. And um, you know, I, I wish I was good at the drums. I've tried to work. I've tried to be um, to play the drums. Um, I can get the a, a pretty natural beat. You know, I can kind of. But you hear that in music. You hear that in everything, don't you? You hear beats. You hear you hear rhythms, you hear that kind of stuff. And what I want to introduce to you today is that there's a beat, there's a rhythm, there's a cadence, there's that all within Scripture, starting with this in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Because this is poetry. Yes, it's history. Yes, there's that. But it also has, it's, it's really meant to be poetry. In the midst of that poetry, we find some history. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 picks up the creation story, and I want you to listen for the beat. I want you to listen for the repetition. I want you to hear the rhythm. It's really the poetry of Hebrew that's attempted to, being, uh, uh, that's attempted to be brought into our English for our ears to hear the cadence of the story. So maybe this morning, what you want to do, maybe you want to follow along, maybe that'll help you. Maybe you want to close your eyes and kind of just listen and see if you can't hear the beat, if you can't hear the rhythm. But here's what, here's what the word says, okay? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an, an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. 
The land produced vegetation, plant bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the night, day and the night, and to separate light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing that with which the water teems according to their kinds. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water. In the, fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. <clears throat> Verse 24, and God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. So God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image. In our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Genesis chapter 1 is the first account of the creation story. And we are viewing all of this from heaven's perspective. God speaking and the world coming into existence. 
And we begin to hear the rhythm of the story. And it starts out like this. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. There's really a cadence to it. There's a, there's a music. There's a count. It's, it's a tempo that begins. And, and the poet captures your ear. And he captures your eye, the eyes of your heart. And, and, and he begins to help you understand that there is going to be shape and there's going to be substance to this formless void. But I want you to notice something that takes place that's different. It happens on day three and it happens on day six. He, he speaks twice on day three. And then he does it again on day six. And so verse 24, um, uh, or I'm sorry, verse nine, he says, if you look at verse nine, it says, and God said. But then you come to verse 11 and it says, then God said. And that's, ha- that's what happens on day on day three. On day six, verse number 24, and God said. But then you get to verse number 26, then God said. And so the cadence is no longer one, two, three, four, five, six. It's one, two, three, three, four, five, six, six. And you begin to hear the temple and the beat and, and the music and the poetry and the cadence. And then you get to chapter 2 and you discover that when he talks about the seventh day, did you notice something different about the seventh day? He does something that is very unusual with the temple. So let's look at that again. Look at chapter 2. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did you catch it? See, here's what I want you to see, is that days one through six, instead of waiting till the end of the day to number it like he did in those first six, you know, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day, or the, fourth, or the first day, fourth, or first day, or second day, or whatever, on the seventh day, he announces the day at the front end. This is the seventh day. And not only does he name it first, but he names it three times. He says, by the seventh day, so on the seventh day. God bless the seventh day. And so all of a sudden now you have a different kind of a rhythm, and it's one, two, three, three, four, five, six, six, seven, seven, seven. And it's just this kind of this, this beat that's going. And you can't really miss what I want you to catch on to and to grab onto is you can't miss the repetition in these first couple of chapters. 30 times God is mentioned by name, Elohim. Now, if you've been around the church at all, you understand that Elohim is the general name for God. It simply means God. And again, kind of a, it's, it's, it's God, it's our God, but it's a, more of a general term for Him, Elohim. And, and it says, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. And all of the verbs that we read throughout this chapter, God created, God made, God saw, God named, God blessed, God called. All of that is repetition. Oh, and, and then six times we have at the beginning of the paragraph, and God said, and then at the end of the paragraph, and there was evening and there was morning, the first day, the second day. And then you have this, this other repetition, and God said, and it was so, and God said, and it was so. And, and then six times he says, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. 
See, what, what I'm trying to get is the poet has really captured our hearts in such a way that he wants us to understand that there is a music to his creation that's intended to help place you in time. Did you notice how much emphasis in this chapter is focused on time? How many of you noticed that? Time. It was the first day. It was the second day. It was the third day. And we're going to have lights in the sky to help us understand the seasons and the years and, and, the, and the times. It's time. It's the way we measure life. And, and we're, we're restricted. Today is what? February 11th. It's a measure of time. We know that we're how many ever days, uh, 40-some days already into the new year. It's a measure of time. I mean, it, it, it just seems like yesterday. I mean, I graduated from high school. It just seems like yesterday that I, I, I got married. Um, and, and, and sometimes, I, I, I assume that this probably happens to you, but do you ever wake up in the morning and go, man, where is all the time gone? Is that true of any of you? Where did it go? Well, Paul speaks to the Athenians, and he makes it an, an interesting comment, I think, in, in uh, Acts chapter 17. Here's what he says. He said, uh, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men and that they should inhabit the whole earth. Listen to this. And he determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. Time. It's how we measure life. It's the way that we respond to God. You know, I, the, the interesting thing is we don't always use our time wisely. Would you agree with that? We don't use our time wisely. And um, I, th- I, I mean, I think, think about a couple of ways that we use time that are not maybe using it in the wisest way. Um, sometimes I think we get in a hurry trying to, to just take in everything, you know, trying to grasp everything. And so we get in this hurry. We try trying to, to take in everything so that nothing gets away from us. Hurry, 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 so that you don't miss anything. So that's one side of things, I guess. And, and the other side, I think, is there's procrastination, right? Um, when you're inattentive, I think, to God. Procrastination, when you, when you don't respond in obedience or worship to what God is doing in the moment, you'll just, you'll wait and you'll do that later, Right? When you look at this chapter and you begin to see the detail of this and you hear the repetition, when you see the way the days unfold, did you see that? The way that these days are unfolding? Look at, that. Look at on the screen here. Day one, you end up with light and dark. I think the corresponding day to that is day four, sun, moon, and stars. You got day number two, where you have sky and water. What's on day five? Fish and birds. You got day three, where you have the creation of land. What happens on day six? Animals, mankind. But there's this intricacy 
that, that here I think that God wants us to, to see, to maybe just step back and just say, whoa, slow down. Look around you and worship. Adore me. Recognize me. Don't try to control. Just pay attention and be attentive to who I am. It's a hard thing, I think, to do in the world in which we live. I, I don't know if you struggle with that as much as I do, but it's either that just constant, constant, hurry, 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 or it's the decision to put off and respond later when we think it might be more appropriate. See, it's one of the reasons why I really love the outdoors, I think, so much. One of my favorite things to do when I'm up north at our cabin is to be out, be up early and to be out on the lake when the sun's already, when the sun hasn't come up yet, and has it, just watch it from the, from the water, watch the sun come up. And I, um, I love the smells. I love the fragrance of the freshness of, fragrant freshness of the morning. I just love that. I love to be on the lake when the, lo- when the loons are waking up and they're coming, you know, they're showing up and they're landing on the lake in sort of graceful-like fashion, you know. And, and pretty soon they disappear under the water and it seems like for almost ever, several minutes, they're just nowhere to be seen. But after what seems like forever, all of a sudden they pa- pop back up and they make their presence known. It's just an awesome thing. I love to watch the, watch the fish. I love to watch the ducks. I, I really like to watch the eagles. Um, I, I think about just being up in the barn. We actually have a couple eagles over by our house. Uh, um, I haven't seen them this winter yet, but um, they just kind of come around, and, uh, or they, there's three of them, and they're just beautiful to watch. I love to see that. I, I, I never tire of seeing the grouse in the spring. Um, one of the coolest things I think in the world is to watch the baby chicks that they, mama grouse and, and eight or nine or ten baby chicks just following right along, you know. One time we had to stop our car up there, remember just last fall, or was it not fall, last spring, we had to stop our car so we don't run over the baby chicks because mama will not fly off when she's got our chicks. And it's just so awesome, they're all crossing the road. It just, it's just the most amazing thing. And, and I never tire of seeing the deer and they're waking up in the, in the spring, or I'm sorry, in the, in the fields around our cabin and they're eating the, a fresh breakfast from the grains of the tall grass. I look at all that stuff and that's all, I have to really be honest with you, I, I tell you all that and yet for me nothing is more precious than the crowning achievement of God's creation and that's you and me. Every year I, I visit the elementary school at, at Westby for their Christmas program. And uh, though my kids haven't been involved in that for a few years now, um, I just like going over there and seeing the kids that are on my bus saying and go ahead and um, just do their program. But just watching those kids, just seeing every year their growth and their maturing, how they're, how they're maturing, just watching their voices just grow really, really deep and, and, and change. and um, It's just an incredible, incredible thing to see. And, and my kids, the other day somebody asked me, they said, oh, what, is your, what do your kids look like? And I, I did something. I opened up my wallet and I, I, uh, I grabbed a picture that I had of them and, and uh, 
you can take a look at this later on. I just, it, it's so cool because I, I didn't realize that I haven't changed the picture for a while. Um, I, I think that Mike's in kindergarten here or Nate's in kindergarten, I don't know. But I was like, oh, um, this really doesn't do, I, you won't, probably won't be able to recognize. Oh, yes, I do, I do. Um, I've got a couple of pictures in here, but I didn't have a recent one. Um, my, I just stand in awe when I look at God's crowning achievement. I am amazed at, by creation. I don't know about you. I, I, I really like the world in which we live. And if, if I'm going to do what I ought to do, then I will notice the things that God has created. And it's going to cause me to respond in awe and wonder. wonder. Genesis chapter 1. It's all about awe. It's all about wonder. The story is starting. And in the beginning, God. That's how the story begins. And we learn that this God who created the heavens, who created the earth, is an absolute sovereign God. He is totally self-sufficient. He is totally supreme. And we learn that the world which He created is something that is good. All that He has created is good. Everything about creation is good. In fact, when He made us, it was very good. Because all that God does is good. And the rest of this week, I hope that you can, you can uh, meditate upon that and think about that as you, you think about God's creation. And maybe think of some things of your own as you look at what God has made, that we can celebrate that and worship Him for what He has done. But maybe say that together. All, all that God does is good. All that God does is good. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for your creation and we thank you for what you have done and I, I, I think we feel the rhythm that's, that's starting out in this book and, and we're, we're hearing what you've done and we're seeing uh, that so clearly and we're just amazed, we're just in awe of what you are able to do and God we just pray that you will um, open our eyes to see if we don't already um, what you have, have started what you have prepared to do and in, in, in the, the um, uh, amazing detail that you've given to, to all of creation. And not, not just to mention about what that looks like, but your ability to do that is just something that is so incredible. And Father, as we, stu- as we study this and as we look forward, help us to see your foot- footprints, the bigger picture of what you're trying to communicate all throughout Scripture. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.